0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Key Crant, episode 295. Bad name, important concept, recorded July 23rd, 2017, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP.com. Element OP Com. welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the only place on the internet where geeks rant i am your host mark the sultan of the soapbox cockerel and joining me this week as always from different states but for the first time ever all of us in the same time ever this is the first time the show has ever happened with all hosts in the same time zone are your friends and mine miles the aussie Junior wakeham and seth the gooey kid anderson hello gentlemen hey mark and greetings from pennsylvania
1: and i'm having chowder in massachusetts you guys are you know uh, neighbors practically yeah kind of yeah you know i'm
0: from texas so there's texas and there's the north you guys are both in the (laughs) north so you know you're good
1: yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i'm a yankee this
1: week oh yeah that's true i forgot about that yeah (laughs) well from miles's
0: perspective we're all yanks
1: uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well everything over here is an English name for a city, so that's kind of weirding me out, but you know, that's how it is. Why can't they just get their own original names for towns like New London, New What what's that all about? Because they were Make up pr- your own name.
0: They were all proud British subjects when they first named those towns. Oh those fools.
2: <laughs> it no, was a, they were trying to court favor from the people in london yeah that's better than new nobody's heard of it berg you know so <laughs> you want new london to succeed because that's a namesake that london is and you know
0: if you're watching a video one. feed and none of you are uh seth is trying out for blair witch project Two, uh and that's why his video looks like that um
2: <laughs> found footage <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently he's staying with some amish people who don't allow lights
2: <laughs> no okay y'all i, I t- mark said hey seth try turning on the lights So <laughs> something happened when i turned it on and the internet died for the whole house so i told mark i'm not turning the light
1: on again just deal with it, it have has said- been feeding you shoe fly pie have they no not yet
0: (laughs) it turns out the problem is not where seth nor nor ordinarily records it's him wherever he goes at 8 p.m eastern time everything's gonna die (laughs) (laughs) um it'll be interesting to see what happens so we're all here um for you um i think i've just about decided by the way to uh change the, you know, the only place on the internet where geeks rant. I was thinking the other night it was, I was laying in, the, in bed, half asleep, half awake, that kind of thing. So you'll have to tell me if this is actually as good an idea as I think it is. Um, what it, What is the show? How do we describe this show? And you know, the only place on the internet where geeks rant, that's that's sort of a clever tongue in cheek because honestly, geeks rant everywhere. But I thought it's drive time radio for geeks. That's what we are, right? It's, it's morning drive time radio, but not in the morning and not in the car.
1: So, it's the geek morning zoo.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe we need some more sound effects.
2: You know, there's, there's right wing, <laughs> left wing, and geek wing.
0: So. <laughs> oh, I like it. We represent the geek wing. Uh, well, I just wanted to say I am now the proud owner of two teenage girls. Um, I don't recommend it. Just going to leave it at that. I, I uh, my middle child, turned 13 and immediately turned into a teenager. Just it was it was astonishing how quickly that happened. She went from uh, bubbly to broody um, within twenty hours of her thirteenth birthday. Uh, it is fairly miraculous, uh, but we we had a party. Uh, we did, you know, all that typical sort of stuff. And unfortunately, due to the misguided, uh, well-intentions of of a friend or family member, I honestly don't know who it is. My home is no longer fidget, fidget spinner free. Um, I've been <laughs> refusing to purchase one of those, and my children haven't found them important enough to spend their own money on it. But but as a birthday gift, we now have a fidget spinner in the house. So with the the pox is now upon us.
1: You know how you tell if you've got a teenager? If they speak one spoken paragraph, the word like appears 24 times in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that is a, a, a thing, yes. Mark, <laughs> you
2: need to quality control that fidget spinner and see if it reaches uh, cockerel safety standards. Yeah. And um, I can think of any number of ways that it wouldn't. So <laughs> well, if, you, if you need some help, I'll be there uh, somewhere all night.
0: I could pull the old uh, teamsters thing. And safety inspections can take months. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's actually not terribly annoying. Um, I, yeah. I you know I I make sure she isn't spinning it you know at the dinner table and that sort of stuff. They're actually kind of fun to play with. So I I understand the allure of it. Um, but. It's it's the it's pet rock of the 20
1: teens. You, you know they got banned in Moscow, right? Or Why Russia, not? I guess. Because yeah, Americans apparently- <laughs> are bad? Why? I have no... All I read was... And this is hearsay. I read it. Because it's on the internet. It's got to be So that real.
0: makes it c Right.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Um, apparently, the uh, opposition to Vladimir Putin was using fidget spinners as some sort of a political signal to his people to uh, not to uprise, but, you know, to gather and, and, you know, organize or whatever you call it. And Putin found out that they were all using these fidget spinners. So he just banned them from the country uniformly across the board. No more fidget spinners in Russia. Net to the fidget spinner.
0: In Russia, fidget spins you. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Just a quick uh, commercial. Uh, just this week, I mean, I have known about it and I used it way back early on and it wasn't ready for prime time yet. But if you haven't, if you're an Amazon Prime member, and honestly, why wouldn't you be? Uh, but if you're an Amazon Prime member, uh, check out Amazon Prime Music if you haven't in a while. Um, it's essentially commercial free Pandora with a wider selection of at least the music i like um i I can pick some channels there and hear stuff that i'm not going to hear on pandora um high quality we uh did a a little trip recently we were in the car for about five hours and never heard the same song same song twice and never heard a commercial and it's it's free it's not really free i'm already paying for it with my pandora with my excuse me amazon prime account so, if you haven't checked out Amazon Prime Music, it's come a long way uh, with the whole channels, and uh, there, there's a thumbs up, thumbs down feature. Um, I, just a, a little free uh, advertisement there. Huh. Good tip. It's great it's for. It's probably
2: going to be sort of like Amazon Video. You get some stuff for free, and then they'll probably eventually be some type of bundled add on.
0: Well, there is a, yeah, every now and then I'll hit a thing and it's like, this is with the, you know, Express or whatever it is they call it. So there is a a, a freemium model there, but what is available for free is pretty high quality, at least, you know, in my limited experience with it. Hmm. And uh, Seth, I understand that you had really nothing better to do there other than watching Amish make candles. And so you decided instead to watch Iron Fist. Honestly, the candles is probably a better choice.
2: You know... (laughs) iron fist started off i really enjoyed it but it's like somewhere about halfway through the series they thought this is going too good y'all we got to do something and it kind of just fell off towards the end um some of the fight scenes turned out well and some of them turned out the opposite of well and It just, you know, had had if somehow Marvel could erase Daredevil from my mind while I'm watching Iron Fist, it would probably be much better. But they set the bar so high that this just not bad, Um, better than Jessica Jones. Um, The fighting is worse, but maybe overall better than Luke Cage. So but I still want to see Defenders when it comes out. They haven't ruined that for me yet.
0: But. You are way more generous in your praise of Iron Fist. I found nothing to enjoy about Iron Fist. The choreography was sad. The characters were uninspiring. The acting was flat, other than the hot chick. There was absolutely nothing to like about about Iron Fist for me.
2: You know the the very first scene, warning spoilers. He goes into the building that bears his name. You know, on the very and the fight kind of in the elevator where he wasn't really fighting. He was just. I thought, okay, you know. Is this supposed to be like this form of martial arts that you know isn't been a part of the world for so long? I was like, so it's going to turn out really cool, and then it turns out it wasn't really cool, and then it turns <laughs> out that um, it turns out that his acting abilities peaked very early and started going down the further you went into the series. But like I say, it they just they've diluted their creative pal- talent pool across too many series i think you know i think what happened everybody did daredevil season one and that's why it rocked and then you had people splitting off and there was daredevil season two uh jessica jones luke cage iron fist and so maybe they will all come back together for the defenders and it will rock and uh what's his name danny rand will not only get some acting lessons but he will get some martial arts lessons and then uh it can be a really good series
0: maybe and, you know, this other one that you have recommended here, I, I didn't make it through the first episode of Spectral. Uh, okay. Net, it came up on my Netflix as shows you may like, and no, Netflix, it's not a show I may like.
2: Okay, well, this isn't a series. This is a movie, so oh. maybe it's something different. All right, maybe it is. This is like a military sci-fi set in the modern world kind of thing. And, okay, it it's not great. You can tell they didn't have a huge, um, you know, Budget, but several people you'll go, Oh, I remember him. I, I know, I know that guy. A solid enjoyment. If you're in, if you're a fan of military science fiction, you will like Spectral. If you're not, um, it's kind of, you know, there's been so many movies coming out. It's so hard to find something original, but I thought they did a pretty good job of mixing stuff up and coming up with a unique take on something. So, you know, not, not saving private Ryan, but you know, better than, uh, a lot better than like hand puppets fighting.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> What, I like
0: them. <laughs> what an indictment! Wow, uh, I mean, an endorsement. Uh, better than hand puppets fighting. Awesome.
2: Yeah, but you know, so that I think when it comes to war movies, that's going to be my uh, scale. Saving Private Ryan, hand puppets fighting, and this is closer to Saving Private Ryan than it is hand puppets fighting.
0: So, Miles, you have been both north and south of the border. Uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to go into both of those countries. How, how is it to come back into this country from from either of them? <laughs>
1: Oh, I laugh because it's very funny. Uh, my my last time we were on the show together, I had come through Toronto Pearson Airport and was one of seventy thousand people going through immigration. It felt like I was in a zoo. Oh man, it was hard. So this time I had to re-enter the United States, and we chose to drive through. We spent uh, I don't know three or four days in Montreal, and then uh, which, by the way. Awesome city! I'm gonna tell you, people from Montreal, you got a great city there. Thumbs up to you, awesome city. Uh, anyway, got out of Montreal, decided to drive down the eastern, uh, well, you know, not the eastern seaboard, but into Vermont. So we entered uh, we entered the United States through Vermont. Okay so I got to draw the picture of what it's like at immigration. I'm thinking this is, you know, one of these big immigration stops and I'm going to have to go through and they're going to, you know, take all my luggage and check everything out and give me the grill me in the whole 9 yards. Okay, I drive in on this road. I realize I'm driving into the US. I get into the US. There's no fences, there's no walls, there's nothing. There's literally a little booth on the side of the road and this girl sitting in the booth there's not a car in front of me there's not a car behind me this is it and this is a uh, midday on Friday so you would think yeah, there'd be some traffic no it's just me I turn up to the booth wind the window down give her the passports she says where you been where you going I tell her she goes get out of here <laughs> that's it welcome to the United States <laughs> Oh my god, I've never seen the worst. It it it, the, it just is crazy to see the actual reality of entering the border through Vermont and then hear all of this rhetoric on the TV about building walls and 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 all this stuff. I, it, it this is not reality, people. <laughs> you enter the it's crazy. See, you don't
2: realize the bugs that were placed on your car and on your person when you left and have been tracking you the whole time you've been gone. So while she was looking at your passport, the screen you didn't see says, you know, all movement confirmed, letting through. So that, I,
1: that that's what you missed. I don't even think they got power up there. I mean, it's, it's so prehistoric. <laughs> I, running water's a new thing. I mean, come on. No, it, it, uh, you know, please, build a wall. Give me a break.
0: <laughs> now, this story is from my youth. I was seven or eight, so I didn't understand the full context, and it's highly distorted. But I was traveling with my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather's mother, so my great-grandmother, lived in Anchorage, Alaska, and he wanted to go visit her before she died. She was very ill. So we uh, took a pickup truck. From Terrell, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska. And, of course, the only way to do that is to go through Canada, um, in case you aren't good with maps. Um, and this was this was definitely a different era. We're talking 76, 77. My granddad built a couple of bunk beds in the back of his pickup truck, and that's where my brother and I spent the entire two weeks that we drove we just laid slash slept so i sat in the back of the bunk there was a camper uh um for the whole time but so anyway it's late at night for me it might have been 9 p.m i don't know again i was eight but we were asleep in the bunks in the back of the truck and my my grandfather apparently blew past one of those little roadside stands on the border going into canada um and he said later you know i saw it but all the lights were off it looked like they were closed i thought you know I didn't and this was back before you needed a passport to go between the two but when you blow past one of those things action happens sirens came on uh, lights were flashing the um, uh- Stuff came out of cars and 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 stuff came out of nowhere and blocked the road. They turned us back. They did a, a a very thorough search of the vehicle. Um, you know where they they were like, "Are you human trafficking? Are these really your your grandchildren?" So yeah, it may seem innocuous, or at least on the Canadian side. But if you blow past that thing, you'll find that uh, it was more sophisticated than you think it was, based on my experience.
1: Well, they hide it well. <laughs> I must give them that.
0: <laughs> I mean, they had him. Like frisked up against the the truck, it was it was a pretty big deal. Apparently, you don't enter Canada without saying a on on your way by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I must say, though, I did enjoy Canada. Canada rocks. Very very great country. You guys have got there. And then, Seth, lastly, you have been to one
0: of one of my holy places that I, I have yet to be uh, go to: uh, Gettysburg, uh, a small field with a big history.
2: Yes, um, man. I only went for like part of one day and you really can't see it all. It, there's just, there's so, I mean, you know, there's just so much to, to know and do and see. And I mean, it's, it's amazing and it's powerful. You know, you, you can see where Pickett's charge was. You can see the stone wall at the top of the hill, you know, you, you can look and, the confederate forces are 10 yards away from these cannon positions that are firing double canister you know the bravery of both sides to to charge into that and to man your guns when you're when the enemy's 10 yards away and to not break and run it just i mean you know just just walking around and then i went uh through the uh the national cemetery there and man it's just It, when I come back up to Pennsylvania, I am probably going to like do a, if I only spend one day, it's going to be getting up before the sunrise and go there and, and see it all. Cause just a few hours, you know, walk, walk, you, you should go. I mean, you know, it, it is well worth it to, um, put some perspective and see the, the price that was paid to deliver the country that we got delivered to us. And then, you know, and then it kind of makes me sad to think what we've done with that country, but mm. it, you know, it, it is a, it is a solemn place and it is well worth visiting by, by any American citizen. I think.
1: Yeah. Living- I, so, I was going to say, since you're in Pennsylvania, Seth, have you had a chance to go to Valley Forge? I have not. I've, uh, you would it, feel the same way. Oh, different war, but same thing. Yeah, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, living here where I do in Georgia, um, particularly in South Georgia, I'm in the north part, but uh, there are four major wars were fought on this soil. There was the Civil War, um, the um, War of 1812, um, the War for the Revolutionary War, and even there were a couple of skirmishes off the beaches of World War II. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, but the uh the Georgia Coast Guard was involved in repelling uh a u-boat attack um, uh, so anyway it's it, there's history everywhere I go around here, and I'm the only one I know honestly that's interested in it and so I've been here five years and have not been to any battle. Thing. Well, I went to one park thing in Savannah uh, that I drugged my wife to, but it was literally that. It was you know you you have to if you want to stay married to me, you have to spend the next half hour going with me to this thing because mm-hmm. we're going. Um, but I would I would really love to spend some time reveling this uh, the history of this place. But also when you look out through the thickets and and I know that uh, the Pennsylvania is is similar there, um, you can see how difficult it would have been to fight through that because you're you know trees are are growing. 18 inches apart Um, and it makes it makes sense to now to see how the the rebels who were so outgunned and out equipment and outbodied could have put up such a good fight because they knew the terrain they knew if you lay down in this in this hollow here you can't be seen but you have a good view Um, and the same the the revolutionary were the same thing there fighting when you take the field uh, fighting uh, off the fields and into the forests it changes everything and you know America found that out in Vietnam Um, and we learned that you can't fight an entrenched, uh, people who know the terrain. Um, but it's, it is amazing the history that's around, uh, you know, probably every part of the country, but, uh, certainly in the Eastern seaboard, uh, where, you know, the hardest part of the, the country's, uh, battles were fought.
2: You know, you probably, there's probably some French Indian war there, um, uh, around too, because I, I don't know, that would be pretty frontier esque in that time so you could probably find some yeah so you you know that could make it what five the
0: fifth war. yeah um so enough about history let's talk about the future uh and seth wanted i'm just gonna be honest with you seth wanted to talk about this tonight i i think i've said all i have to say on the topic this may be the first ever uh show where the sultan doesn't have a soapbox stand uh but the topic of tonight is uh as the title says bad name important concept um net neutrality um and just to you know, uh, give a quick summary of net neutrality, we, the people on this panel and geeks at large, want the internet to be um, freely accessible or at least an even playing field for all people. Um, there are certain powerful entities who don't want that. They want to control what goes on there. And there's a battle going on. It's a constant battle. It's been going on for a while now, back and forth. The same legislature keeps getting renamed and having a, a tweak co- turned up. And and the a couple of companies want to control access to the internet. That's the that's the the short version of it. And there's yet another round of that battle going on. We we did the whole internet goes dark thing a couple of years ago. We fought against SOPA and PIPA and all that. There's only so long you can handle outrage though. Um, and i think that this is just an inevitability that the wheel will turn and we will lose the free internet um that's it's a given it can't it can't be avoided um so there's my nihilistic take on on net neutrality but let me just try to uh analogize it because this is a hard thing for people to do let's uh, let's compare the the internet uh, the interstate road system the interstate road system exists it was built it's out there let's say um some uh somebody wants to make every road in the country a toll road. Okay, you might be okay with that. Maybe not, because the the public funds were already put there, but let's just say we're gonna make every road in the country, including the road that leads to your house, a toll road. So everybody has to pay to use the road. I might be okay with that. Now let's say those same people say, well, people like say Walmart, you have extra trucks on the road. So you have to pay more. Um for the people who go to your stores. So the people who go to your stores are already paying the tolls, but since a lot of people use our roads to go to your stores, we want you to pay an extra uh, crowd fee. Um, So, you know, we're going to base that on the the size of your parking lot. The bigger your parking lot, the more you have to pay uh, for your side of the toll. Even though the people who are going there are already paying to use the road, you need to pay to receive them. That's essentially what's happening in the internet world. There, there are a few people who want to charge content providers like, for example, Element OP Productions, because we uh, have thousands of people who access our stuff. They want me to pay an extra fee as a heavy user, even though everybody who accesses my stuff is already paying to access my stuff. They want me to pay extra. So this is what the battle for net neutrality is all about. Should everybody pay once? Or should some people pay twice? With that introduction, go Seth.
2: Well, I mean, this was just my suggestion. I didn't know you were <laughs> like, I mean, I, I didn't have anything else to talk about. So, uh, but no, he, here is the thing. We don't, I mean, you did a good job with your analogies there. And, you know, th- we talked about this. It's the same kind of thing where like, Pretty much every cable company that is an also an ISP demands extra money from Netflix because their customers want to watch Netflix and their position is, why should we have to pay to access the content? Um, whenever um, you know we're not getting anything back from it and of course my answer is because your customers who you provide access to want it and they've already paid for it you should get it but then this goes back to the you know you can't have generic cappuccino in the bathroom that only the executives get to that have each got to have their own individual cappuccino machines and their own mugs hand-washed you know by somebody who walks up hills both ways to rinse it kind of thing and and it's just, is this is big business, squeezing people for extra money because the people don't care because we're too busy taking selfies and snapshots of our food and watching cat videos. And,
0: and we've lost Seth's connection. <laughs> so while he continues to rant in silence, Miles, what is your take on that?
1: <laughs> um, I don't like government. So, I don't, by nature, I don't like, uh, I like light touch, which is really what the FCC is trying to do right now. But you can't necessarily have that. I mean, look, let's go back in time a little bit on the history of this. When DARPA uh, produced all the internet and, and all of the research work and everything was done and then hooked all the universities up, um, they did it for their own purpose and they did it with not with mine, I wasn't here at the time, but with taxpayer, U.S. taxpayer money. So there is a U.S. taxpayer ownership of that research and that, in, that you know, internet, that backbone. But what they never did was they never brought it out to the final, I guess what the ISPs would call the last mile. They didn't, they didn't bring it out to your house. They didn't bring it out to your libraries and they didn't bring it out to your uh, businesses. That was all up to private companies to provide that. And so, those private companies, when they eventually hooked onto the internet and started offering those services so that we could get to it, um, they invested a lot of money in that last segment of the communication infrastructure. They have a right to get their money back. And if they're constrained by FCC saying, you know, look, the whole Title 20 thing or the whole open internet that everybody has to uh, conform to is uh, the rule and you have to somehow make money around that rule and they can't do it by reclassifying data types and, and charging extra for fast lanes and so on um then it puts them at a disadvantage and so, ultimately well, well, hold on guys. I,
0: I want to stop you you yeah, you, sure. you ran through a lot of technical stuff there unpack that a little bit um I- explain to our audience in simple terms what what all about the reclassifying and all that sort of stuff is why why isn't Comcast making enough money by me paying them a 100 bucks a month to have internet access
1: well Okay, obviously there are mergers and companies, you know, acquisitions and things like that. But let's say for simplistic form, Comcast paid for digging up the roads and running the cable and putting all the infrastructure in and all the routers and all the repeaters and all of the technology and then all of the monitoring technology and all the filtering and everything and all the staff and all the customer service people and all the everything. They pay for all of that. And based on their subscription base, they look at the number of people who are subscribed and they work out what a reasonable charge is per person to for that service. In that simplistic form, well, that that's not reality, right? But that is a simplistic form of that. If we were to say, look, they're a private company and we like the free market, and we therefore government should have a light touch and should not impose them on doing business that would be fine as long as you have three different other alternative providers out there that you can choose from who have to compete in that same market and offer you a competitive product and that's my beef well let
0: me you, let's let's dive a little deeper there so the the okay. model has been in the US from the beginning that you pay for a capacity um and we call that capacity bandwidth um so it 's how many bits of data can you pull down at the same time? Right. Um, how many parallel bits of data can you pull down? and you know a typical American broadband right now is around uh forty to fifty megabits. that means uh fifty million bits can pull at the same time parallel so that 's why we use the term bandwidth if you look at if you think of bits as as soldiers marching side by side across the bridge. The bridge is big enough to allow 50 million soldiers across at any one time. Um, so that's the way we have always sold uh, bandwidth, the sold capacity, sold connections in this country. You buy the width of that bridge. But what we're finding is that it's a poor measure to measure the width of the bridge. People want to count the number of soldiers that go across that bridge. That's where you get bandwidth caps. For example, I'm on Comcast. I pay them $100 a month for 125 megabits. So 125 million soldiers can walk across my bridge at any one time. But once I get to a uh, a, a trillion soldiers, they cut me off. I'm done. Uh, or they actually start charging me extra. So they have both charged me for the width of the bridge and the number of soldiers that can go across the bridge. For I've always thought that's unfair. you got to pick one. Um, you know the 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 water company doesn't charge you for how many gallons per minute can come out of your hose and how many gallons of water you use. You you got to pick one. So, but what's happening right now? The current legislations and the 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 moves that are happening is there is a group of people who want to say, well, uh, not only are we going to charge you for both the width of the bridge and the number of soldiers that can go across the bridge before we we close the gate, but also those of you who are sending soldiers, a lot of soldiers to houses, i.e., Netflix, uh, Netflix is sending uh, billions of bits every night. They want to charge Netflix extra, so Netflix has already purchased a huge capacity. Trillions and trillions of soldiers could walk across their bridge uh, at any time. They had to do that to be able to support all of all of the customers at the same time. So they've already paying a big chunk of money for the size of their bridge, and they're also being paid, uh, being charged for the number of soldiers that go across that bridge. Now, they want to be paid, uh, uh, want to be charged an extra fee just because they're sending a lot of traffic. And that, for me, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with, uh, okay is not the right word. I'm willing to accept the double dipping that's already going on because it's a thing that has grown organically over time. But this is not organic and this is not growth. This is forced way to to make money happen automatically just by adding carriage fees now they they call those carriage fees different things they call them uh you know internet uh, uh um uh super highways fast lanes there's there's all kinds of clever names uh, there but and, and the isps will say that we have had to increase our capacity because of netflix that is just a lie plain and simple they've had to increase the capacity because of the number of customers using their product Whether it's on Netflix or whether it's on, you know, CNN or whatever it is, it's a flat lie that Netflix is costing Comcast more. It's just not true. Comcast's customers are costing Comcast more.
2: Here's the analogy. We had to build more roads because Ford made too many automobiles. Therefore, we're charging Ford for every vehicle that drives on the road. In addition to the gas tax and the toll fees and the other road and bridge tax when you renew your plates that go into it, now we're going to penalize the manufacturers who have nothing to do with it. That's another analogy.
0: So the the problem with net neutrality is you have to talk about it in terms of, of analogies. But so what's yeah. happening is is all of these things are happening this group of people say we want to charge this carriage fee to Netflix Netflix says no you can't do that now it's in the the US uh government's hands to decide whether or not they can do that and the government has, uh, on a couple of times, said, well, we're not going to intervene or we're only going to intervene. And that's where what Miles was talking about, classifying data or or who are you and what are you. There's certain types of rules. There was a, a while back it was, well, the, the Internet is just uh, Comcast and at and Those guys are just common carriers. They're just the dumb pipes. And because they're the dumb pipes, we can't regulate them. They have to be regulated as a, as a different thing. And so that's what this new regulation is coming about. This is all about who who gets how big a piece of the pie. All right, now Miles, I'll let you speak.
1: Well, uh, your analogy about the bridges is really good. You know, controlling the bridge traffic, how much is allowed across, how many lanes, what's the cost, all of that. Yeah, if there's one bridge, that that's a bad thing. But if the FCC allow three other bridges to be built, so you, the customer, can choose which one you want to drive on, and then each bridge has to compete for your business and has to offer a competitive service that's reasonable, that you take into consideration all the options and choose the one that's right for you, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. We're seeing the same thing in cord cutting all of a sudden the cable companies are starting to drop their fees. They're starting to offer cheaper packages, no lock-ins. Instead of 24-month contracts, they're going to 12. Some are going to no contracts. And it's because you've got more players coming out to take your dollar and to give you a better quality service and give you choice. So if there were choices here this would not be an issue you would they would all be forced to compete you'd pick the best one that made sense for you and if they failed to deliver on that you'd go to option two or option three but we don't have options two and three and so well,
0: they're, we, they're they 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 being the the cable providers the internet providers mm-hmm. um government their pull in government to make sure that they would never have to compete and now they're once again trying to defend that competition and the government, the U.S. government has been complicit in this from the beginning. As we've as Seth has, has so uh, frequently decried, the U.S. De- government created these monopolies and duopolies. There is no competition because the government said there can be no competition. Um, and now the the same thing is happening there. The there there is a limited competition. But even among that limited competition now and where I live right now, Comcast is the choice. Uh, AT&T is currently digging fiber. So within the next couple of months, I will have two choices. Right now, I have a choice. So, But even when I have two choices, that's not really a choice. Because by gentleman's agreement, they can decide uh, what they want to charge me. But more importantly, by gentleman's agreement, they can, charge, they can decide what they want to charge Netflix. So this all comes down to um, the government getting involved in eliminating the free market. Rather than assisting the free market, and and so for, since the beginning, the the federal government of the United States has had a bent toward allowing the free market to happen and and uh, fostering that. We we have rules against monopolies, for example, because it's anti free market. But for some reason, when you're talking about data bits, all those rules cease to apply, and that's the argument that's happening right now on Capitol Hill: is do we allow um, the free market? Do we uh, reverse ourselves and allow uh, the monopolies to be broken, or do we continue to uh, make sure that only the people who pay us money um, survive?
1: Yeah. Uh, The thing, look, there are options that can come in here. I mean, there are other players uh, in the same analogy as a bridge, there are people can come up with zip lines, there are people can drive, you know, build underground subway systems under the river, there, there are other options available with mobile data, with wireless data, with all these sorts of things, but the ultimate control point for allowing those things to go in there and compete is FCC regulation. And so, when it, I think the thing that's kind of driving me a little bit nuts here is that I hear constantly this kind of uh, people don't really understand what the problem is, so they bundle net neutrality as a discussion with SOPA and PIPA and all of these, you know, the 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 the, the, yeah, the small guy won the fight against big bad tyrannical, you know, corporate uh, controls and all that sort of thing, and I look at it and go, no, no, no. This is a problem well before net neutrality. It's called get the FCC out of the free market and allow them to help the free market prosper and not hinder it. And all of a sudden, these problems will go away. But they're not. So now we're dealing with, a, with the with what's the color of the band-aid we want to put on the severed limb. I mean, it's a stupid idea. We, we shouldn't be even having this discussion. It doesn't answer the question or offer a solution. I'm just saying it's stupid.
2: Well, here's, here's the problem. The representatives appointed by government are only from the providers. You know, why isn't there some government level that looks out for the consumer? You know, it's just like, who's in charge of banking laws? Only professional bankers. There isn't anybody from a consumer point of view who has equal voice in the say. And so everything is pro-bank, you know? And so now everything is pro-big business running these things. And they're pouring tons of money into maintaining the status quo because as expensive as that is, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than having to compete against upstarts. So if I can just maintain the status quo because that's what we've had for the last t- uh, 10 years, so we can we can ride this another 10 years and then I'll take my stock option golden parachute and it'll be somebody else's problem. This goes all the way back to we've talked about how people are this quarter minded and there's nobody in it for the long haul. We want to gut the future to maintain share prices so we can do a stock buyback. So our share price will hit a level that will trigger a bonus. And then I can sell all my stock options and make a ridiculous amount of money. And the only thing that generated that money was I took our profits and I bought stock with them. And then, so that used up our profits, but it provided enough money for me to cash out. And, you know, and that's just all it is. We've allowed the businesses because we don't want to, have to sacrifice, This is and it goes back to what we talked about last week, we're getting exactly what we paid for. We have paid in ignorance, and we've paid in laziness, and we paid with lax oversight, and now we are reaping the benefits of our lazy involvement in the Internet. So, you know, it, it was great when the only people involved in the Internet were the geeks who loved it. So there was a good internet, but now everybody's on it and nobody cares because it's there and we have crappy internet. So yay America.
1: Can I add something to that? Um, I heard the term, I happened to be in the car driving back from dinner tonight to get to the hotel, to do the podcast. I was listening to a, a show on Sirius. It was a kind of a political analysis of, of uh, issues and it just so happened. They were talking about net neutrality, which was kind of ironic um, and I, uh, I think a legislator out of the House of Representatives was on the show talking about something and didn't really understand the technologies at all, so it was pretty difficult for them to discuss it with any credence. But they constantly used the term open internet. I must have heard that thing five or six times. And it seems like Anytime you put the word "open" in some, in front of something these days, it's like okay, let's let's make this sanctified and left-wing and you know for the people, free and and almost communist. Uh, and I don't say that in a good way, um, just because they use the word "open" in front of something without really explaining what they really mean and. This whole net neutrality argument, all I've seen in terms of the press and what's been written about it is coming from left-wing bloggers that are interested only in, you know, what's good for the people and let's turn the internet back to the well and hippies. And and it's it's nuts. It's nuts.
0: So what? So what? (laughs) Uh, What can we do about it? I would love to say... Call your congressman, uh, call your uh, senator, and and make your voice be heard. But I don't think that actually matters anymore. I think that because of the the machine that we've created, both in government and in business, there is no amount of public outcry, even if we could manufacture public outcry, and most of us don't care. Um, the people who listen to this show do, but, but we're certainly in the extreme minority. Even if uh, 100 million people all cried out with one voice and said, we don't want this. I don't think it's going to matter. We'll shut down this version of it. And six months later, another version will come out. This This battle has been lost. We will have internet fast lanes. Do you know what an internet fast lane is? We give this person the, the service they have now and give, we give everybody else slower. Because let's think, let's unpack that for just a moment. The 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 big ISPs, AT&T, Comcast, uh, Verizon, these guys are all saying, the problem is we don't have enough bandwidth to support Netflix. Netflix, Dropbox, these, these people, Google, these people who use uh, large resources, we can't support them. So we want to create an, an internet fast line. Think about that for just one second. With their entire capacity at their disposal now, they can't support this thing. So they're going to create a second thing that can support it. That It just logically doesn't make sense. So they have to build a network bigger than they already have to support it, to create that fast lane. No, that's not possible. So the only way you could create that fast lane is to slow everything else down. And so you end up with a position where it's a pay-to-play thing. If you want um, the, the primary access on our servers, you have to pay for it. If you want the service you're getting today, tomorrow, you will have to pay us a fee. That's what an internet fast lane means. It means that for the service you're getting now, for the, and it's not for free. Let's, let's not mistake this. Uh, Netflix is pay, paying billions of dollars a year in bandwidth charges. So for that billions of dollars a year to get them the same value tomorrow, once this passes, they'll have to pay another couple of billion dollars. Otherwise, they get slowed down.
2: Yeah. And in the case of Netflix, that means fewer people will subscribe to them because most, a large percentage of Americans get their internet through cable and cable companies are trying to push their own limited on demand offerings. And, you know, they're trying to negotiate deals with the movie houses and the distribution companies so that way they can cut netflix out well they get money from netflix and then they also get the subscription money that netflix isn't getting and comcast isn't going to produce original series i mean think of how awful that would be i mean they can't even produce original bandwidth now we're going to try to get them to produce original series so it's going to hurt the consumer and then look at it from news you know it doesn't matter if you're left wing or right wing or you're centrist or you like to look around for your news. The big companies will pay to make sure that their content is not throttled because you're not paying for extra speed. You're paying to make sure your stuff isn't throttled. So the individual guy who, you know, uncovered. You know, spoiled salmon being put into the glue and it's going to cause all the third graders who lick their paper to get sick or whatever. They, they have, they, they have a 56k modem that if two people get on, it crashes their server. And so nobody knows about the story. And then you have big business owned media outlet of your choice pushing how evil the other people are. And that's that's what the world comes to. We think echo chambers are bad now. You're gonna have to pay to hear the echo chambers. And it's just it's a lose lose for society. It's great for the regime on top, but it's bad news for a free society. And if unfortunately, we don't really seem to want a free society anymore.
1: Well, there is there is a positive in in uh Dropping net neutrality, and that positive is that if the companies out there with the most to lose, let's say Netflix, Amazon, um, any of the large bandwidth providers of content, if they are given an opportunity by the FCC to create their own network providers, Google do this, well, are doing this with FiOS, right, or their not not that's Verizon. I'm sorry, the Google Fiber options that they brought into certain select cities. Um, If that is able to be continued and Amazon decide they want to be a player in this because they've got all this prime video, they want to be able to pump through uh, networks and it would be an advantage if you were on their cable or whatever. Um, If the FCC open up four or five other bridges so that all of these providers who have content that would be best served on their networks were options for you as well, I think at the end of the day, what we're going to see is invention. We're going to see a lot more companies jumping up and saying, I want to have a piece of that pie. I'm going to come up with a better, more innovative, more creative way of doing it. And I'm willing to invest to do this because now the, you know, the regulations have been cleared off, off the, uh, out from underneath me and I can go ahead and I can push forward this new invention. Um, That's the positive. That's the upside. Open internet. What's in it for Amazon to invent anything better than what we already have to deliver the content if they're given the option to be able to just take and abuse what's already there?
2: Well, you know, there's there's so many stories we haven't covered where the people who own The Last Mile are spending wads of cash rather than developing their infrastructure they're spending wads of cash making sure nobody else can get in and compete google is having to spend tons of money on lawyers fighting for litigation and right-of-way where comcast or whatever owns whoever owns the utility pole and whoever owns the right-of-way and then they they can stall it for years granting access you know and so in the maybe in 10 years it'll be great but by the time we get there you know we will have lost our fortunes to the comcast and the at&t's of the world because they will just keep pumping us dry and especially and once it looks like they're gonna lose and they don't have anything else they're gonna run it up and squeeze out all they can before they have to give up the ghost that's and because the government created this opportunity this opportunistic situation for these businesses, the government has a responsibility to keep that in check until they open it up. And unfortunately, they're not. They're kowtowing to the people that, you know, again, I would hate to sit here and claim the the crooked nature of the American political process. But based on the evidence that is being made available to the public, it's hard to come to any other conclusion. So, yeah. I don't so know. Th- let's, we're at glue factory level now.
0: Yeah, I, I just want to see what is what does the world look like um, if AT and T and and uh, Comcast get what they want. Um, you don't get any more bandwidth. This is not about last mile stuff. That's that's what you were talking about earlier, Miles. This this is all infrastructure level stuff. So. Uh, let's just pick on Comcast. Comcast is going to start immediately charging Netflix extra money. Netflix bandwidth is going to go up. Um, that You won't see a difference in your home. Your, your internet will neither go up nor down. You'll have a, a lower uh, performance on Netflix for a while while they sort that out. But Netflix will cave and they'll pay the money. So then your Netflix is going to go from uh, $10 a month to $12 a month. Because they're not going to eat that. They're going to pass that on. But Comcast is going to have their new Xfinity on, on live app that is whitelisted. And that doesn't count against your your uh, data caps. And it doesn't... Uh, uh, they are automatically on the fast lane. They're going to give that service the full speed. And so now everybody on Comcast is going to be use the, the Comcast app and everybody on at and is going to use the the, the direct TV app and everybody on Verizon is going to use uh, their thing. Um, and so Netflix goes away um, because they won't be able to compete anymore and HBO uh, or they become you know a partner with somebody. Is that going to change the world? No, we could, we can live without a Netflix or Netflix will pivot. They'll find a way to survive. They'll make partnerships. So when we focus on that, um, it's kind of hard to see the downside of this, but what is likely realistically going to happen is this podcast goes away. Um, because my hosting provider is going to be responsible for lots of data, right there. They have a bank of servers worldwide. Um, they have multiple connections to them and lots of data is going in and out of my hosting provider. Well, they're going to have to, to, you know, charge. They're going to get charged more, so they're going to have to charge more. So my, uh, my hosting fees will double, not immediately, in a year, year and a half, Um, and then they'll probably even go up from there. Um, And then it'll, you know, now we're talking five years down the line. Not only have my hosting fees tripled from what they are today, but now I'm going to have to pay an extra fee. Um, for, you know, to be to get uh, access to the internet. I'm already paying uh, once. Actually, I'm paying twice. I'm paying once to get it from my house to my hosting provider. I'm paying my hosting provider to get it uh, from their servers to you. So I'm already paying twice for you to hear this show. But with the, with the whole net neutrality thing, when the net is no longer neutral, when net neutrality dies, then I'm now paying two, three, or even four times. And I can't do that. And this well, listen, show goes
1: away. Now there's an easy answer to that you just move the hosting offshore. I mean yeah, cuz at the end that. of the day, you know, they can't regulate you if you're on a server in Iceland.
2: Oh, but they can regulate you getting to Iceland. You can have an exit fee for the country.
1: <laughs> well, no, no, I mean just putting your servers there in another in another locale. But the interesting thing about that is that if that is a sol- if that is a reasonable solution, you are now putting US internet data centers and server hosts out of business because they've lost you as a customer and everybody else. And at some point, the only people they'll have is people who have a a small blogging website with no traffic because they can make money on that because there's no data bandwidth worries about it. But you produce actual content, sorry, you're going to have to start serving out of the Netherlands or something. Or Canada.
0: Yeah, well, uh, so I hadn't really considered that um, that angle of it before. I've been focused on the U.S. centric part of it, as you know, I am guilty of doing often. But don't you think that other countries will follow suit uh, once they see that you know the the Americans have lined their pockets? What's going to stop you know Iceland from doing the same
1: thing? Uh, well, okay, full disclosure, uh, our company is putting servers in Iceland, so <laughs> so I can tell you a bit about this. Um that government has a very open policy towards light touch on anything to do with data. Uh, and because the cost of power there is very cheap, because it's geothermal, it's natural energy, and because cooling is not really a factor when you're living in Iceland, uh, it's the perfect place to put data centers. And as a result, the government there are completely open to having your business and will offer, you know, incentives or that will make it easy to uh, get things happening. So, you know, we're shipping uh, dozens of servers over there. I'll be on a plane over in Iceland at some point racking them. And uh, it's just the way things go. You know, we we chose to do that a while back for a bunch of different reasons. Net neutrality was not one of them. But it's indicative of the fact that the internet is not the USA net. And we have to realize that it's an international market. And if these net neutrality people want to control the last mile of the U.S. consumer, that does not mean it has to control the actual provider of content.
0: But don't, I mean, so I'm not following you how that actually helps. Uh, Say Netflix moves offshore uh, Mm -hmm. and they build an island out in the Pacific and they run data cables to it. Um, Comcast can still charge them for access to their lines i don't see how that actually changes anything comcast can still say you're a large consumer of our bandwidth you must pay a fee to exist the fact that they're in another country doesn't i don't see how that matters
1: no but if their content is hosted outside of the local u.s but they still have to
0: go through they still have to go through comcast to get there so because comcast owns the last mile they can control what gets to the last mile and how much you pay to use the last mile. It doesn't oh, matter okay. where the other 9,000 miles are. It only matters where that last mile is. And so Comcast still has the same power to say to Netflix, if you want to access the last mile, pay up.
1: Right. What I probably didn't preface here is that write versus read is like a 5% to 95% ratio. In other words, it's only 5% of the of the bandwidth that they're doing to write that content and ship it outside of the country. 95% of the content is everybody who's consuming it. So ultimately, they won't pay for the hosting or the well, let's put it more so in the case of Element OP, you won't pay that much to put it out there but all the consumers who pull it down will pay because they'll be charged additional bandwidth costs to be able to pull your content. So by inference, yes, it will affect you, but if you want to avoid being charged for being the person to to broadcast it out on mass to, to millions of listeners, then you don't want to be in this country as a broadcaster. I, Ultimately, I, maybe I'm just consumer- being thick.
0: I'm still not seeing the difference. Because what, what, what is currently in the Congress right now, the, the discussion being had, is do the owners of the last mile get to charge anything they want for access to that last mile? So I don't, I don't understand where the other miles come into the, to, to play here. If Netflix wins the right, or Comcast wins the right to charge whatever they want for access to the last mile, it doesn't matter where you're hosted. You still have to pay a fee to, to access Comcast's last mile infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not I'm probably not explaining it very well. Well if your content is on a server that's not in the US and you put that content, that's a singular upload, right? And you right. put it on the server. So now this the stuff is outside of the US. Every download, so like an RSS syndication pull to pull it, is happening from your listeners, not from you. So you're already outside of the country they're not going to charge you to broadcast it because they have okay. no control.
0: So this is the this is the thing here. That's exactly what the the last mile companies want are fighting for the right to do. They're fighting for the right to charge you to to allow your stuff to be downloaded. So it, this is doesn't have to do with the fact that Netflix has data servers in the US. Comcast actively wants to go to the company Netflix and say, if you want our customers to access your content, you must pay us. It doesn't matter where the content
1: is hosted. So you're looking at like protocol as the definition of what the traffic is, and that protocol gets a fee, gets a charge.
0: Exactly. They're looking at that destination servers, right? So if you own the destination servers, um then we get to and we de- uh identify your destination servers as x percentage as a high use thing we get to charge you for it. that's what they're in court right now not, not even court that's what that's the problem with this this isn't this, we're, nobody's deciding whether this is legal they are going to with a stroke of the pen make this legal the whole point of this is for is that comcast wants to say to anybody in the world if you want to, if you want our last mile customers to access your content, and we deem your content to be of high value, we will charge you for it. That's what the whole argument is about.
1: Okay, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm. Do you think that the audio podcast is really something that they are concerned about? I mean, we're not a big bandwidth. Con- uh, I'm consumer. just
0: looking down the line at what could happen. Right. So once right. you've put Netflix out of business. Where do you go next? You just killed your cash cow. So the only option now is to make it up on a bunch of smaller calves.
1: Yeah, so,
2: and okay. you know, you want to shape your consumers behavior to only get stuff from you so therefore you don't have to pay anybody else to access their stuff. And then they're going to say, "You know, I mean it's just you're going to you're going to take out your biggest headache, and then you're going to focus on your biggest headache, then you're going to focus on your biggest headache. And then eventually, I mean, you know, we gutted our technology industry by outsourcing everything and gutting the pool for the next generation to come up in. And so now we're going to make people flee the country and look for revenue models outside of the country. It's just like people are, you know, business big business is stupid all they care about is this quarter and next quarter's revenue They don't care. There's no thought. What are the ramifications of this five years down the road, 10 years down the road? The ramifications are, do I make my quarterly bonus now? Do I make my next quarterly bonus? And by how long till I can get a golden parachute and move on to another company? Cause see, I was at AT AT&T last year. I'll go to Comcast next year and the Comcast guy will come over here to AT&T and we'll just keep pulling money from people who don't care.
0: And the people who are fighting this, I, I think part of the problem is is they're using the wrong language. You're, they're using the the Richard Stallman language. They're saying internet is a basic right. Well, that's just the stupidest thing ever. And you're not going to get um, any any foothold in a court of law spouting stupid stuff like the internet is a basic human right. No, it's not a basic human right. You moron. It's a it's it's a uh, fifth or sixth level luxury. But the 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 ability to um go out and hunt something and kill it and drag it home and feed your family is a basic american tenet that we've built our country on and we're actively destroying that tenet and the problem is that we have the you know it's it's a very crunchy uh granola eating uh, uh fruititarian uh non-bathing people going into court Fighting, you know, uh, a lawyer in uh, an Armani suit. Uh, who is the judge gonna gonna go for? It? You know, uh, who is the congressman gonna look at? He's gonna look at this guy that has never once made a contribution to any campaign ever, or Comcast, who last year was forty percent of his reelection. You know, and and so the the problem is is we've gone beyond what's right and what's wrong. We've now gone beyond. Um, we, we we've reached the point of. Um, is this good for me, the individual politician, like Seth was saying, or or me, the individual uh, um, corporate person? That's that's why I'm so defeatist about it. Uh, I think that it's a battle that I don't want to say it can't be won. It can't be won with the people who are fighting it. So what was going to happen is somebody has to to step up, and arm a slick Armani suit wearing guy is going to have to forego quarterly profits once and do what's right. And there's not a big history of that in this country
2: because somewhere along the way. Greed perverted capitalism. And what passes for capitalism today is nothing but greed. You know, there's nothing wrong with making a dollar on something you do. But, you know, we've gone past making a dollar and now we're trying to make a hundred dollars off of something we already got paid the dollar for 10 years ago. Because why do something new when I can just keep milking my cow? You know who care? I'm never gonna let the cow have a calf because then you know I'd have to, I'd have to do something with that calf. I'm just gonna keep milking this cow till it dies of old age, and then all of a sudden I'm gonna be out of a business. But it won't matter because I've saved up my money, and everybody else who worked, who depended on that cow for a livelihood. Too bad they didn't own the cow like I did.
1: Well, so. I tell you, one, I tell you one thing though: if you're not in the United States and you're outside. And your content is hosted outside. You don't care. You're not going to have to pay any extra for it, unless your local providers decide to adopt the US model of, of, you know, uh, traffic lanes and charges accordingly. But if you're in Germany, you you don't care. Yeah. To play in the US market, it will. Yeah, but what what I mean is that this is a disadvantage to the US as a country in terms of its technology because. Other countries, other operations outside of the U.S. and China and India and in in Brazil or wherever will have a significant advantage over the U.S.
0: Yeah, so Netflix moves to Europe and makes that their primary focus, and they're fine. Americans lose Netflix, Uh, you know. uh, So that that's you know realistically, that's really what's going to happen. Is America is going to cut its own throat, and we're not going to have access to. Dropbox anymore. We're not going to have access to Netflix anymore. We're not going to have access to uh, Google uh, Drive anymore. They're just going to go to other countries. And so now we're going to have the reverse situation of American people using proxies to pretend to be Europeans instead of the other way around.
1: That's probably true. I I, I tell you what, if I wanted to invest in companies right now, I'd be buying VPNs. So,
0: you know, I had a lot to say for something I didn't have a lot to say about, Um, but I I do want to, there's uh, uh, an article here that Seth referenced, an OS news article, and I I think I'm only highlighting them because they're a great example of what's wrong with the discourse in this country. Uh, So there is a a synopsis of, uh, I can't even, I don't even want to paste this link in the chat room because the title of it. It's the internet is effed again, only they're, they're not saying effed. Um, and but so here's a, I'm just going to read this last paragraph of it. Hey, look, another case of corporations actively working to undermine society by bribing politicians with huge, uh, huge amounts of money that the individuals would never or only rarely have access to. As long as it's the politicians' power is derived not from the people, uh, but from money, stuff like this will continue to happen. This is the article that is supposed to be, you know, um, winning hearts and minds. But really, it's just saying, you know, we're a bunch of, of whiny cray babies and the world isn't fair. And this is the problem. It, uh, Tom Hollerda, uh who wrote this article on, on OSNews.com, um, is the problem. He he and his ilk, who come off, instead of fighting with, with logic and intellect and saying, this is why this is bad for business and bad for our country, and this is why your quarterly profits will go down next year if you do this, instead, he says, you're all a bunch of F-tards. And this is the problem with the world today. There is no, no reasonable discourse. Whiny rage quitting. <laughs> That's a much better title for this art show, <laughs> whiny rage quitting.
2: <laughs> that, that's a good one i like that
0: all right um i got nothing else to say about this seth any, can, is there is there any other way you could beat this horse uh, to make it a little more dead
2: you know i mean like i say we need to to wake up or eventually america will be the third world country again so and we're yeah. stuff stuff like this leads the way so, I, unfortunately, I don't like the, the language of this article, but unfortunately, I find myself agreeing with the sentiment yeah. of it. So, I and, might and be s- becoming a liberal, and that's a scary thought.
0: You know, I went, straight, <laughs> I went straight to the local podcaster, i.e. Element Opie is doomed, and Seth went straight to uh, America will descend to third world country. Those are both pretty extreme views, but, you know, it's, it's a mindset of pessimism that is brought about by a, an observation of reality you know miles uh, has a different view of it he says just go somewhere else well that's that's great but i happen to care about this somewhere and if i go somewhere else what happens to this somewhere um and so that's that's what i'm trying to argue let's make this somewhere the place that it that it should be instead of going somewhere if, else
2: if we go somewhere else the big businesses will follow us and ruin there too so we might <laughs> as well fight it out here <laughs>
1: miles what are your final thoughts all i'm saying is that you know of this incredibly detailed and hot discussion the name hitler did not come up once in the entire podcast
0: wow that's a problem (laughs) we're losing our losing our touch (laughs) uh okay um seth what happened this week in history smooth transition
2: Alright, Mark. So, on July 23rd, 1985, the Commodore Amiga was introduced. Commodore introduces its Amiga personal computer, also known as the Amiga 1000 or A1000. Featuring a multitasking, windowed operating system, color graphics, and stereo sound, among other features ahead of its time, the Amiga developed a loyal user following that remained strong even as the PC market became increasingly consolidated between the dominant IBM compatible PCs and Apple Macintosh computers. Writing nine years later in 1994, Byte magazine would write, the Amiga was so far ahead of its time that almost nobody, including Commodore's marketing department, could fully articulate what it was all about. Today, it's obvious the Amiga was the first multimedia computer, but in those days, it was derided as a game machine because few people grasped the importance of advanced graphics, sound, and video. And that happened all the way back in 1985. And now back to you, Mark.
0: 1985, 32 years ago, um, the world was so very different. We didn't know how to handle a computer with sound. (laughs) What, what are we supposed to do with this thing? Uh, Yeah,
2: Because the way it got in the business world was by replacing the typewriter. So typewriters don't have sound. You don't need color for a screen that's just producing a black and white page. And you know, it took forever to get yeah. from there to here. How do you print
0: sound on a printer? All right. And just a couple of years later, Apple fought the same battle, but they 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 did it differently and they said, We're different. We're we're for the artist. We we're for the people who care about um, you know, things that are pretty and sound good. And, you know, Commodore was trying to Uh, capture the mass market, Apple was happy to capture a small percentage of the market. And that turned out to be the better play.
2: Well, and this just goes to show you Apple really doesn't break through anything. Right. They wait for somebody else to break through and kind of pierce the zeitgeist. And then once they see it's right for the tanking, they do a better job of exploiting the breach. So Apple is the breach exploiters of uh, <laughs> trench warfare. Whereas, you know, the Amigas, the uh, let me see uh, deck who did the first, you know, not iPod, but portable media player, um, that was disc based. So, you know, way, way to go. Apple, you suckered another company. Yeah. Man, there, there's something about them that, you know, you have to admire the way they can move in and kill people so they can live. You know, they are the hunger <laughs> game survivor.
0: As much as I enjoy <laughs> Apple bashing, let's be fair, in 1985, everybody was trying to figure out what to do with this thing. So this was when Windows um, was first coming out, and, and it was a way to take your existing PC and make it a multimedia device. Yeah. Um, Apple uh, and Commodore both took a different thing and said, we're going to build the hardware right into the device instead of having all those add-ons, and in the end, the IBM slash Windows way one. But it took them almost a decade to catch up with where Amiga and then later Apple was once they built it all into the same board.
2: Yeah, no, I know. I was just laying my shtick on there because <laughs> I didn't know how much I would get in before I crashed, so I was hitting it hard in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you must have turned the light on earlier, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Go to elementop.com op, element and uh, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. Tell us what you think. Uh, we have gone down this net neutrality road several times over the last few years, which is you know, kind of ridiculous that we would have to. Um, th- this is something that, that to me, seems so obvious as the right thing to do. Just let the internet be uh, open pipes. What do you think uh, you know uh, do you have a, a miles like mentality of you guys are just an, a bunch of American centric whiners get over yourselves and and find the opportunity or are you like Seth uh, we will be Honduras next week if this passes or are you somewhere in between where I am of this is doing the right wrong thing for the wrong reasons and I oppose it on moral principles more than um, uh, business related ones. What What do you think let us know click the contact us button answer the world's hardest captcha fill out the form there or or call 559 I am Opie and leave us a voicemail on our Google voice line and we'll play that on the show most likely so uh, i am interested to know what you want to think if you if if what you have to say is Guys, this was the fifth time you've talked about this. Never do it again. Um, that's reasonable feedback, uh, but no need to send that because I already think that. Uh, but no, do do let us know what you think. And now, Seth, with that, what do you have this week to lower my productivity because I'm still clicking drops uh, so that you look like a better hiring option?
2: Okay, this is chicken on a raft, and uh, you have to have sound, and you just, you just click on it and then click <laughs> oh on the chicken. Oh, my gosh
0: i uh i don't i can't hear mine i think you guys are probably hearing it um and i'm not going to do it so
2: (laughs) uh you can bring it up on your phone mark it works on um, mobile websites
0: so you gotta cook a chicken and something happens
2: yes Uh, and just, just just let it play so it's and then show your boss how awesome it is. <laughs> like, when you go into a meeting, bring up the PC and bring up Chicken on a Raft and just click play and everybody will love you. And then, you know, you can explain how awesome the internet <laughs> is and how we need the fast link to get rid of sites <laughs> like this.
1: <laughs> so, I knew that was going to parallel back into this nice. whole
2: discussion. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is an argument against neutrality, but it's kind of fun. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I, I did a um a presentation years ago on on the history of the internet. It was uh for a distance learning class I was doing. Um and I told the brief history of Sputnik launched and how the American uh military freaked out and said, you know, one bomb could wipe out all our stuff. We need to be decentralized and therefore bomb proof. And the, the world's smartest minds got together and figured out how to way do uh, how to, how to, to make this decentralized. And then it came to the world of academia and they put their great minds to it. And in the end, hamster dance was born. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we have gotten what we deserve. Uh, I, I, chicken on a raft, leave it at that. So, uh, thanks everybody for hanging out with us once again. Um, I hope you found this show uh, entertaining and enlightening. Um, it's always difficult to come up with a new analogy for net neutrality, but the problem is it's it's difficult. You you use things like bandwidth, people don't even understand what that is. So it's a it's analogies on top of analogies. I hope we've been clear. I hope you learned something. Um, if there's something we let out left out, let us know. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, we'll see you. Uh, where's where's everyone going to be next week?
1: Be Texas, back in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm,
0: all right. I'm so all back. Everybody all will be. In. the mighty state. Everybody will be back home next week. Um, yeah. So the the world traveling is over. Uh, my kids start school next week. So this is uh, it, in seven Ooh. days from today, my kids start back to school. So wow, crazy silly. times, man. Yes, that, that's the way they do things here. So um, I hope you had a good summer or having a good summer. And we'll see you next week. And for now, remember, pay for what you like before somebody extorts the money from you. Bye, everybody.